Good evening, dummies, also known as the Dumb Nation. Dummies that don't unfriend me. It's not personal. I've been told i got to make the show faster, the intro, because everybody needs their quick hit of information. Attention span, ain't it a bitch. Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. I'm going to introduce myself in a second. What are we doing tonight? Episode 292, all about questions, questions, and more questions. All of the questions that were in my inbox this week, and some of them are good. Some of them are, well... I'll let you be the judge. We'll be right back. Navy veteran Matt Spear presents Don't Unfriend Me. Brutally honest. Experience matters. Facts, not feelings. To the point. And always direct. No safe spaces. You can agree or disagree. You can love him. You can hate him. Just don't unfriend him. Sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Matthew Spear. I'm the head dummy. And I created this little shindig about a year ago. And I appreciate you following. We're sitting at 46,700 likes and almost 60 3,000 follows now. It's growing quite quickly. How does that happen? Well, type in at Don't Unfriend Me Show on Google, and you can follow, like, share, and subscribe on all your social media platforms. I'm pretty much everywhere. Come take a look. Let's get to the show. Once again, everybody needs it. Quick, quick, quick. There are dumb questions. There are several iterations of the following saying. You've heard your teachers say it. There are no dumb questions. Well, this is not entirely true. The dumbest question is the one you already know the answer to. Now, I'm not talking about the Socratic method. It's a principle underlying that the Socratic method is that students learn through the use of critical thinking, reasoning, and logic. This technique involves finding holes in their own theories and then patching them up. And in law school specifically, a professor will ask a series of Socratic questions after having a student summarize a case, including relevant legal principles associated with that case. Professors often manipulate the facts or the legal principles associated with the aforementioned case to demonstrate how the resolution can change greatly if even one fact changes. The goal is for students to solidify their knowledge of the case by thinking critically under pressure. But this isn't that. And this type of question that I'm referring to, I'm talking about someone posing a question from a position of learning, but in all intent and purposes, the question is specifically maligned with ill intent and rhetorical in every sense. I have collected a few examples this week so you can see this. It happens often on the left as they ask questions they have no desire to have answered simply because they already think they possess the answer and nothing will expand on their original line of thinking, no matter what you may add or detract in value. So in this vein, here is my effort to take a few of these questions I have received lately. One of the first ones, what do you think about Judge Chudakot? Judge No, that's not it. It's, oh gosh, Chutkins. I would say Chutkins. All right, let's see if I'm right. We'll look it up later. What do you think about Judge Chutkins ruling against Donald J. Trump stating, Presidents are not kings, and plaintiff is not president. This was from Reggie. 
This was a recent ruling that essentially stated that President Donald Trump lost his bid to withhold documents from the House Select Committee investigating the events of January 6th after a U.S. district judge ruled against him. Before anyone pats Chutkin on the back for being too profound, he's hardly the first member of the federal bench to specifically cite presidents are not kings. One thing guardrails wise we have to give to the federal bench, liberal, conservative, is the they've been remarkably consistent on this point for hundreds of years. Bill Clinton tried to claim immunity from civil litigation, and SCOTUS told him, quote, the respondent is president, not king. It gave the same line to Nixon and tried to assert executive privilege and to George Bush when it told him he was commander-in-chief, not king. Anytime a president has argued that his or her power, not her yet, of course, unless you think Kamala's running things, in some area is absolute or that he is beyond the scope of some law while holding his office, the response he's almost universally gotten is, you are definitely not a king. Next question, is it a crime for Trumpers to speak bad about Joe Biden? Why do you do this, says Sarah? Is it a crime for Trumpers to speak bad about Joe Biden? And why do you do this? Probably for the same reason you just labeled 80 million Americans as Trumpers. And hell no, it isn't a crime, and thank God for that. Look, it was a crime to speak badly about kings and other monarchs. Heck, it was against the law to even imagine the king dying. The most American thing you can do is critique the president in a meaningful way. It started before our first president even took office. George Washington was the subject of the first real political cartoon. He's riding on a donkey being led by his longtime assistant, David, on their way to the inauguration. The caption reads, The glorious time has come to pass when David shall conduct an ass. It was a direct criticism of the inauguration expense in Philadelphia, which the author felt looked too much like a coronation. That was bold and first, and most newspapers avoided criticizing Washington directly during his first term, mostly blaming a combination of Hamilton and Jefferson. By term two, though, Washington was called Belisarius for his refusal to listen to public opinion on many matters. If you don't want to be criticized daily, don't run for president or don't host a show called Don't Unfriend Me. Do you agree with Trump that January 6th committee should not talk to Ivanka because children should be off limits? Becca asked a question. Decent question, Becca. First, you should have asked if I agree with the investigation into Donald Trump and his supposed involvement in January 6th when the FBI has clearly stated his involvement was speculative. But the left doesn't feel... Three witch hunts is enough. Time for some more. But on to the question. No, I say leave the kids of presidents and first ladies alone all the time, unless they enter the political fray. As soon as Bill Clinton put Hillary Clinton in charge of health care proposal that failed miserably, she became fair game. Donald Trump, by his own design, employed them in the White House. He asked that she and Kushner get security clearances. He can't claim now that they should be off limits. They would be fair game. Next batter, why do you suck so bad? Weed for life. Your mom was a bad teacher. Next, why do you care so much about politics? Why don't you ever talk about anything else? You're boring, says Art and Sarah as they share the same brain. 
Well, Art and Sarah, it is probably because I find politics to be interesting. Just like you may enjoy talking about Birkenstocks, how Janis Joplin was the greatest artist of all time, or how to grow your own soybeans in a high alkaline environment. All interesting to you, I am certain, but unless I drive the mystery machine with my friend Scoob, I am confident your show would lull me into a deep slumber as well. Nothing personal. Next question. Why do all of you Trump tards constantly divide us? Blainton. The answer you seek is within your question. You just asked, Blainton. I hope you find you well or you find yourself well. And what the type of name is Blainton? Hey, Blainton. Defund the police is not about defunding the police. Liar! Trey Force says. Of course it is. About two weeks ago, I was thinking, man, I don't know what else the Democrats could do to try and improve Republicans' hands going into an election year. Oh, I got it. Why don't we go ahead and bring back the catchphrase that says, I'm going to eliminate the people you call when things go bump in the night and also work to eliminate your ability to successfully defend yourself. Anybody politically well-read enough to understand that defund the police is typically used as a reduce funding and direct it to appropriate social programs such that people can get a variety of services has already decided who they're voting for. You know who hasn't? The same people who hear defund the police and think, did that moron really just advocate eliminating our police department? Who's going to pull over drunk drivers now? Which, of course, isn't helped by a very vocal portion of people on the far left who mean just that when they talk about defunding the police, and they tend to attract a lot of attention. To wrap it all up, I don't know if I could think of a worse phrase to try and build a coalition around. Maybe something as profound as, let's ban all deodorant. Next up was Hitler's party left wing or right wing. Roger. Neither, really, since the American left-right labels don't map onto politics in other countries very well. What Nazis were not was socialists. They were against welfare policies. They thought the weak should be euthanized, not supported. They loosened gun control for most Germans and were generally against nationalizing industry unless strictly necessary necessary to support the war cause. They were about as socialist as the Democratic People's Republic of North Korea is democratic. The left versus right model for political affiliation really is inadequate for understanding any political reality, however. There are far more than two dimensions involved. In my view, a better two-axis discussion is had when the extremes are totalitarianism versus classic liberalism. In one, the king, the czar, the dictator, the Politburo, government, own and control everything. Classic liberalism puts the rights of individuals to property and life, equality under law, first and foremost. Hitler and Stalin and a long list of others were clearly totalitarian, while Jefferson, Washington, Adams, and others strove to enact liberal ideas, not liberalism, ideas. Totalitarians dictate how society will be. Liberals seek to improve step-by-step the conditions of life. The liberal idea that individuals have rights, such as this in our Bill of Rights, is an amazing, radical, and unique feature of America, even though it has taken time to build our more perfect union. But you are making comparisons and lumping two groups together so you can have a political advantageous argument, it seems really based on word association. Our political parties may have similarities and similar ways of thinking about government's involvement in our way of life, but you're missing the key foundation. Mass genocide or indentured slavery is the mitigating circumstance. Stop comparing Americans to slave owners and Nazis, will you? 
There you have it, folks. My questions for tonight. I appreciate everybody stopping by, saying hello, and participating. If you have a question and you want it read on the show or you want to be belittled, I'll be happy to do that for you. Don'tunfriendme.com, owner at don'tunfriendme.com. I will give them all the attention they deserve. If you would mind doing me one favor, as I go out like I always do, if you would not mind sharing this number, very important, Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255, press 1. Traumatic brain injury, TBIs, anxiety, depression are all very real. Veterans need your help. Easy ways to make a phone call, give them this number. If you cannot get them to dial, you can reach out to me and maybe I can help. I've done it in the past for many. If that doesn't work, you can go to my website at donutfriendly.com. Look there and you'll see a link says VCL. Click on it. It's 100% free. It is 100% anonymous. And if you are a civilian and not in the military, they will direct you to a civilian helpline as well. They turn nobody away. Folks, that is it for my show tonight. Please follow me at, at Don't Unfriend Me Show. Have a wonderful evening. I will see you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 8.30 Eastern live. And I'll see you then. Have a good night.